Part three, propositions thirty-six to forty of the Ethics by Spinoza. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Morgan Scorpion. The Ethics by Benedict de Spinoza, translated by R. H. M. Elwes. Part three, propositions thirty-six to forty. Proposition 36. He who remembers a thing in which he had once taken delight, desires to possess it under the same circumstances as when he first took delight therein. Proof. Everything which a man has seen in conjunction with the object of his love will be to him accidentally a cause of pleasure. Part 3. Proposition 15. He will, therefore, desire to possess it in conjunction with that wherein he has taken delight. In other words, he will desire to possess the object of his love under the same circumstances as when he first took delight therein. Quod erat demonstrandum. Corollary. A lover will, therefore, feel pain if one of the aforesaid attendant circumstances be missing. Proof. For, in so far as he finds some circumstance to be missing, he conceives something which excludes its existence. As he is assumed to be desirous for love's sake of that thing or circumstance, by the last proposition, he will, in so far as he conceives it to be missing, feel pain. Part 3, Proposition 19, Quod erat demonstrandum. Note. This pain, in so far as it has reference to the absence of the object of love, is called regret. Proposition 37. Desire arising through pain or pleasure, hatred or love, is greater in proportion as the emotion is greater. Proof. Pain diminishes or constrains a man's power of activity. Part 3. Proposition 11. Note. In other words, Part 3. Proposition 7. Diminishes or constrains the effort wherewith he endeavours to persist in his own being. Therefore, Part 3. Proposition 5. It is contrary to the said endeavour. Thus, all the endeavours of a man affected by pain are directed to removing that pain. But, by the definition of pain, in proportion as the pain is greater, so also is it necessarily opposed to a greater part of man's power of activity. Therefore, the greater the pain, the greater the power of activity employed to remove it. That is, the greater will be the desire or appetite in endeavouring to remove it. Again, since pleasure, part 3, proposition 11, note, increases or aids a man's power of activity, it may easily be shown in like manner that a man affected by pleasure has no desire further than to preserve it, and his desire will be in proportion to the magnitude of the pleasure. Lastly, since hatred and love are themselves emotions of pain and pleasure, it follows in like manner that the endeavour, appetite or desire, which arises through hatred or love, will be greater in proportion to the hatred or love. Quod erat demonstrandum. Proposition 38. If a man has begun to hate an object of his love, so that love is thoroughly destroyed, he will, causes being equal, regard it with more hatred than if he had never loved it and his hatred will be in proportion to the strength of his former love. Proof. If a man begins to hate that which he had loved, 
more of his appetites are put under restraint than if he had never loved it. For love is a pleasure, part three, proposition thirteen, note, which a man endeavours as far as he can to render permanent. Part three, proposition twenty-eight. He does so by regarding the object of his love as present, and by affecting it as far as he can pleasurably. This endeavour is greater in proportion as the love is greater, and so also is the endeavour to bring about that the beloved should return his affection. Part 3, Proposition 33. Now these endeavours are constrained by hatred towards the object of love. Part 3, Proposition 13, Corollary, and Part 3, Proposition 23. Wherefore the lover, Part 3, Proposition 11, Note, will for this cause also be affected with pain the more so in proportion as his love has been greater. That is, in addition to the pain caused by hatred, there is a pain caused by the fact that he has loved the object, wherefore the lover will regard the beloved with greater pain, or, in other words, will hate it more than if he had never loved it, and with the more intensity in proportion as his former love was greater. Quod erat demonstrandum. Proposition 39 he who hates any one will endeavour to do him an injury, unless he fears that a greater injury will thereby accrue to himself. On the other hand, he who loves any one will, by the same law, seek to benefit him. Proof. To hate a man is, part three, proposition thirteen, note, to conceive him as a cause of pain. Therefore, he who hates a man will endeavour to remove or destroy him. But if anything more painful, or in other words a greater evil, should accrue to the hater thereby, and if the hater thinks he can avoid such evil by not carrying out the injury which he planned against the object of his hate, he will desire to abstain from inflicting that injury. Part 3, Proposition 28 And the strength of his endeavour, Part 3, Proposition 37, will be greater than his former endeavour to do injury, and will therefore prevail over it as we asserted. The second part of this proof precedes it in the same manner. Wherefore he who hates another, etc. Quod erat demonstrandum. Note. By good I here mean every kind of pleasure and all that conduces thereto, especially that which satisfies our longings, whatsoever they may be. By evil I mean every kind of pain, especially that which frustrates our longings. For I have shown, Part 3, Proposition 9, Note, that we in no case desire a thing because we deem it good. But contrariwise, we deem a thing good because we desire it. Consequently, we deem evil that which we shrink from. Everyone, therefore, according to his particular emotions, judges or estimates what is good, what is bad, what is better, what is worse lastly what is best and what is worst thus a miser think that abundance of money is the best and want of money the worst an ambitious man desires nothing so much as glory and fears nothing so much as shame to an envious man nothing is more delightful than another's misfortune and nothing more painful than another's success so every man according to his emotions judges a thing to be good or bad useful or useless the emotion which induces a man to turn from that which he wishes or to wish for that which he turns from is called timidity which may accordingly be defined as the fear 
whereby a man is induced to avoid an evil which he regards as future by encountering a lesser evil. Part 3, Proposition 28. But if the evil which he fears be shame, timidity becomes bashfulness. Lastly, if the desire to avoid a future evil be checked by the fear of another evil, so that the man knows not which to choose, fear becomes consternation, especially if both the evils feared be very great. Proposition 40. He who conceives himself to be hated by another, and believes that he has given him no cause for hatred, will hate that other in return. Proof. He who conceives another as affected with hatred, will thereupon be affected himself with hatred. Part 3. Proposition 27. That is, with pain accompanied by the idea of an external cause. But, by the hypothesis, he conceives no cause for this pain except him who is his enemy. Therefore, from conceiving that he is hated by someone, he will be affected with pain, accompanied by the idea of his enemy. In other words, he will hate his enemy in return. Quod erat demonstrandum. Note. He who thinks that he has given just cause for hatred will, part 3, proposition 30 and note, be affected with shame. But this case, part 3, proposition 25, rarely happens. This reciprocation of hatred may also arise from the hatred which follows an endeavour to injure the object of our hate. Part 3, proposition 39. He therefore who conceives that he is hated by another will conceive his enemy as the cause of some evil or pain. Thus he will be affected with pain or fear, accompanied by the idea of his enemy as cause. In other words, he will be affected with hatred towards his enemy, as I said above. Corollary 1. He who conceives that one whom he loves hates him will be a prey to conflicting hatred and love. For in so far as he conceives that he is an object of hatred, he is determined to hate his enemy in return. But by the hypothesis, he nevertheless loves him. Wherefore, he will be a prey to conflicting hatred and love. Colliery 2. If a man conceives that one, whom he has hitherto regarded without emotion, has done him an injury from motives of hatred, he will forthwith seek to repay the injury in kind. Proof. He who conceives that another hates him will, by the last proposition, hate his enemy in return, and, part 3, proposition 26, will endeavour to recall everything which can affect him painfully. He will moreover endeavour to do him an injury. Part 3, proposition 39. Now the first thing of this sort which he conceives is the injury done to himself. He will therefore forthwith endeavour to repay it in kind. Quod erat demonstrandum. Note. The endeavour to injure one whom we hate is called anger. The endeavour to repay in kind injury done to ourselves is called revenge. End of part 3, propositions 36 to 40.